Well, the scripture lesson for this evening is from Joshua chapter 6, beginning at verse 1. Now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city once. Thus shall you do for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. And on the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout with a great shout and the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up, everyone straight before him. And so Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant, and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of horn, ram's horns before the Ark of the Lord. And he said to the people, Go forward, march around the city, and let the armed men pass on before the Ark of the Lord. And just as Joshua had commanded the people, the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of the ram's horns before the Lord went forward, blowing the trumpets with the ark of the covenant of the Lord following them. And the armed men were walking before the priests who were blowing the trumpets, and the rear guard was walking after the ark while the trumpets blew continually. But Joshua commanded the people, You shall not shout or make your voice heard, Neither shall any word go out of your mouth until the day I tell you to shout. Then you shall shout. So he caused the ark of the Lord to circle the city, going about at once. And they came into the camp, and they spent the night in the camp. Then Joshua rose early in the morning. And the priests took up the ark of the Lord. And the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord walked on. And they blew the trumpets continually. And the armed men were walking before them, and the rear guard was walking after the ark of the Lord, while the trumpets blew continually. And the second day they marched around the city once, and they returned to the camp. And, and so they did this for six days. On the seventh day they rose early at the dawn of day, and they marched around the city in the same manner seven times. It was only on that day that they marched around the city seven times. And at the seventh time, when the priests had blown the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city, and the city and all that is within it shall be devoted to the Lord for destruction. Only Rahab, the prostitute, and all who are with her in her house shall live, because she hid the messengers whom we sent. But you, keep yourselves from the things devoted to destruction, lest when you have devoted them you take any of the devoted things and make the camp of Israel a thing for destruction and bring trouble upon it. But all silver and gold and every vessel of bronze and iron are holy to the Lord. They shall go into the treasury of the Lord. So the people shouted, and the trumpets were blown. And as soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted, and a great shout, and the wall fell down flat so that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they captured the city 
Then they devoted all in the city to destruction, both men and women, young and old, oxen, sheep, and donkeys with the edge of the sword. But to the two men who had spied out the land, Joshua said, Go into the prostitute's house and bring out from there the woman and all who belong to her as you swore to her. So the young men who had been spies went in and they brought out Rahab and her father and mother and brothers and all who belonged to her. And they brought all her relatives and put them outside the camp of Israel. And they burned the city with fire and everything in it. Only the silver and gold and the vessels of bronze and of iron they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. But Rahab, the prostitute and her father's household and all who belonged to her, Joshua saved alive. And she has lived in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. Joshua laid an oath on them at that time, saying, Cursed before the Lord be the man who rises up and rebuilds this city, Jericho. At the cost of his firstborn shall he lay its foundation, and at the cost of his youngest son shall he set up its gates. So the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame was in all the land. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Out of respect for Christ, please rise to hear the Holy Gospel. The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the 13th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. As Jesus came out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. And Jesus said to them, or said to him, Do you see these great buildings? There will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And as he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign when all these things are about to be accomplished? And Jesus began to say to them, See that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name saying, I am he, and they will lead many astray. And when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. These are but the beginning of the birth pains. Be on your guard, for they will deliver you over to councils, and you will be beaten in synagogues, and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them. And the gospel must be first proclaimed to all nations. And when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand what you are to say. But say whatever is given you in that hour, for it is not you who speaks, but the Holy Spirit. And brother will deliver brother over to death. And the father, his child, and children will rise up against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Grace to you in peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. If the stones of the fabled walls of Jericho could shout, what might they shout? 
if the stones of that splendid temple in Jerusalem could shout, what might they have proclaimed? Might they have shouted, trust in the Lord and not in your own defenses? The walls of Jericho were an impenetrable barrier. The citizens of Jericho had come to see those walls as being invincible. They were confident that no one could scale those walls or overcome it, and therefore they were confident of victory. Well, the people of Israel are given specific instructions from the Lord. The military strategists probably think that the Lord's marching orders are absurd. For the mighty men of valor and the priests are told to walk or to march around the city walls of Jericho in silence once a day for six days. Only the priests are supposed to blow their horns. Mumbling and grumbling can probably be heard under the breath of the fighting men. This is ridiculous. We should be cutting down trees and building budding rams. We should be constructing ramps so that we can scale the wall. But the word of the Lord came to the army. Trust in the Lord and not in your own defenses. Trust in the Lord and see and watch how God will accomplish his way, his plan, his holy will. And so the forces gathered day after day, and they marched. They paraded outside the walls. The military forces inside the walls of Jericho were probably bewildered by the military tactics being used by the Israelites. They'd never seen anything like it. And confidence grew that the sturdy walls of Jericho could certainly withstand such an assault. But this was going to be the Lord's victory the Lord's battle. And not only that, it was going to be accomplished according to God's plan, no matter how impressive the defenses. When the dust settles, God's way will prevail. And sure enough, on the seventh day, the people, the, the, the soldiers, they paraded around the stone walls with the priest blowing the horn, but this time they now went around the wall of Jericho seven times. And on the seventh time, Joshua commanded the people, shout! And the people shouted. And those invincible walls of Jericho collapsed with a thundering sound. The victory was the Lord's. The Lord's way always prevails. And that's really the message of the stones today. God's way will prevail. This truth is what we need to remember, especially when we fall into the trap of thinking that our way is the best way. When we're prone to tackle challenges without consulting the Lord. When we live life on our own terms, under our control, or at least we think it's under our control. We may not always understand God's way or how it is that God is going to work things out or how His way and will will prevail. But we're simply called to trust in Him. To do things as God says. So, oftentimes, what do we think? We think, I can make myself right with God. And so, like the Pharisees, we try to fulfill the rules and the regulations 
those that God gives us and those that we make up for ourselves. And we read in scriptures that there's no way that we can please God or save ourselves by our works. Instead, God says, do it my way. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. We experience all kinds of troubles and tribulations. And again, what do we do? We immediately turn to books and videos and online chats. We go to Google to research whatever it is, information that we can find. We turn to doctors and, and on and on and on the list goes. And many of those things aren't so bad, but we're often late in turning to the Lord. That's often the last resort as opposed to the first thing we do. Even though Jesus, our Lord, says, Come unto me, and I will give you rest. Again, what do we do? We have conflict with family, friends, with co-workers, church members, whatever it might be. And what do we do? We hold grudges. We lack the forgiving spirit. We look for revenge. We look for retribution. Instead of thinking it, of doing it, the Lord's way. Pray for those who persecute you, he says. Forgive, not just seven times, but 77 times. And then we often worry and are concerned about how are we going to pay the bills? And so what do we do? Well, we conjure up our own idea of how we should handle the finances in our life, and so we think that we need to put all the money into our bills, our, our mortgages, all of those things that we have. And we give kind of the leftovers, if there are any leftovers at the end of the month, to the Lord's work. As opposed to remembering what Paul says when he says, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will reap generously. For each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. In other words, God's way is to put him first in your life, to give him your first offerings, and then scale back your life accordingly. When we trust in the Lord and not our own defenses, victory will not always look certain. We might experience heartbreaking loss and setbacks. The Israelites walking around the fortified walls of Jericho in silence for a week, and it didn't look very promising, did it? It was a strange battle plan, and as I said before, the soldiers, the fighting men, were probably wondering what was going on. How could this ever bring victory? And I'm sure there were insulting taunts being spat upon them from above from the soldiers that were inside the walls of Jericho, those reinforced walls. And they were mocked, and they were taunted, and they wondered how those walls would, how they would ever breach those walls until those walls, those stones came crumbling down. For Paul Sutter, those invincible walls were the stock market. He was known for being a great investor within the stock market, and he had made millions. Sutter recounts in an article that at one point he said, I might have thought that the man who ends up with the most toys wins, but now I know that that couldn't be further from the truth. And what made Paul Sutter's walls collapse was a potential fatal heart attack. 
It made him stop and kind of resize life, reevaluate where his life was going, and he began to realize that he was hiding behind the wrong walls. There's other walls we hide behind, isn't there? Like our job. Our job, which we think we just need to invest so much time and energy to, and what does it do but steals precious time from other things that are, quite frankly, more important, like our family, like our friends, like time with the Lord. Or our job, it's so much of our identity and our purpose. And then what happens when we, when we get laid off or when we retire, suddenly we lose our sense of purpose in life. Or sometimes even our own family can, can become those walls upon which we hide behind, the false walls. I have to take care of my own and provide for my own. Well, and certainly we do. But unfortunately, what often happens is that we so much hide around behind our family and so consumed with providing the needs of our own family that we don't see that there's people all around us who are in need. Who are in need of us, seeing them and loving them and providing for them. And we don't see them. And those walls don't come down. Those family walls don't come down until we find that we're in need. And we need someone outside of us to come and bring us God's comfort. And then, of course, there's our government. We love to look to the government to provide all the answers for our problems. That is, until the government begins to control our life and then fails to deliver what they've promised or they overreach their control into our life. And then those walls come tumbling down, don't they? Or medical technologies and medicines and and medical personnel. Oh, we become sick and we just think, I'll just go to the doctor and they'll be able to prescribe something for me and make me well again. Oh, I'll just go and have a surgery and oh, they'll heal me up and I'll be back and dancing in in no time. Or, oh, we've got this COVID-19, all we need is a vaccine and everything will go back to normal. When in reality, we all know that sooner or later, all of those medicines, all of that technology, all the medical know-how of the doctors, even with all of their best intentions, we know that sooner or later, we're going to die. Yes, these are just some of the walls that we erect. And we think that we're safe and secure behind them, but there always seems to be a way that those walls come tumbling down. And today, the stones of Jericho shout, trust in the Lord, not in your own defenses, for His way will always prevail. There's only one mighty fortress that can withstand every assault, and that fortress is the Lord. So hide yourself behind him. The temple being built by Herod the Great at the time of Jesus was glorious and it was a source of national pride. The temple was the epicenter of Jewish worship and held out the hope to the people of Israel that they would once again regain the grandeur of the kingdom under King David and his son Solomon. But by the conclusion of Jesus' ministry, the temple and its walls are being prophesied by Jesus as being destroyed. 
we're told in our gospel reading for tonight, as Jesus was leaving the temple, one of his disciples said to him, look, teacher, what massive stones, what magnificent buildings. Do you see all of these great buildings? Jesus replied, not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. You see, the temple, that massive stone structure, had become symbolic of the spiritual sinful ignorance of the people of Israel. That temple had all kinds of religious action going on within it, but it was a spiritual bankrupt place. The temple stones, they signified the Jews' own self-sufficiency and own self-righteousness. The temple, you see, had become had become the be-all and end-all of their life. And that is the way the religious leaders of Jesus' day sound in their confrontations with Jesus. Oh, they think they've got everything just figured out as to their religious thought and practice. They are experts in blowing their own horn. So much so that when one of the religious elite finally makes it into one of Jesus' parables, he's an expert horn blower. Do you know the parable of which I speak? It's the parable of the Pharisee who nearly gives himself a whiplash, patting himself on the back, thanking God that he is so much better than that sinner that's over there. It's quite a wall of self-righteousness and self-importance that that Pharisee in that parable has built for himself. And you see, the self-righteous and the self-important, they have no need for Jesus Christ, the true temple. They substitute the real living temple, Jesus Christ, for the sterile stone temple of works, man-made works and self-righteousness. Those who blow their own horn have no need for a Savior. They have no need to repent. For what do they have to repent of? They have no need for spiritual rebirth. They have no need for a meal of forgiveness. Oh, that these self-erected walls of self-righteousness and self-importance would fall. Trust in the Lord for salvation. Jesus Christ has accomplished everything for our salvation. That's what those collapsed walls of the temple in Jerusalem shout out to us tonight. Now I know a Savior hanging on a cross, nailed hand and foot, suffering and dying amid taunts and jeers of those standing by. That certainly doesn't look like a victory plan, does it? And being buried in a tomb with a massive stone rolled across the tomb's entrance, that doesn't look like a victory plan either. And until that stone, that tombstone, rolls away as our living and resurrected Lord Jesus Christ from the tomb, all appears to be lost, but we know that on Easter morning, indeed, Christ rose from the dead and that stone was rolled away. The temple that had been destroyed by the hands of sinful, self-righteous, self-important men rises in three days, just as Jesus had promised. There's only one mighty fortress that protects and enables us to overcome our self-importance and our self-righteousness, and that is Jesus, who's the living temple of God. Hence, with the psalmist, we proclaim, I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation. He is my stronghold. And this is the message 
This is the message that we shout. This is the message that we teach to our children and our grandchildren so that they have that rock-solid security that only the Lord provides. Solomon counsels, He who fears the Lord has a secure fortress, and for his children, God will be their refuge. And so the stones tonight shout, Trust in the Lord, not in your own defenses. For the Lord has a plan and is accustomed to victory. God's will and his ways always, always prevail. He proved that with Jericho. He proved that in Jerusalem when the temple came tumbling down in A.D. 70. He proved that in Golgotha on Good Friday. And he proved it in the garden burial site where the tombstone was rolled away because Jesus was risen from the dead. That's the message that these stones shout tonight. The Lord's will prevails. Join me in prayer as we pray Psalm 59. O Lord, I will sing of your strength. In the morning I will sing of your love. For you are my fortress. You are my refuge in times of trouble. O my strength, I will sing praise to you. You, O God are my fortress, my loving God. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all your understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.